Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Tell me what you want. I'll give you what you need. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we'll read the first five verses. Paul says, now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Well, next month I'll turn 56 years old. That means that I was in high school in the middle 70s, and I'm an old 70s rocker. I still like 70s classic rock. To me, there is no music outside of Christian music other than classic 70s rock. One of my favorite bands from the 70s was a band, uh, and still one of my favorites, the Doobie Brothers. I love the Doobie Brothers. I really do. Uh, This week, I've been listening to the Doobie Brothers on Spotify. I love the Doobie Brothers. Now, I I want to uh, confess something to you, though. Uh, I liked the Doobie Brothers before I ever, long before I ever realized that Doobie was a slang word for a marijuana cigarette. I didn't know that. I did not know that. I just liked the Doobie Brothers because of their music, and I still like them because of their music. They had some great songs, Long Train Running. I love that song. Listen to the music. China Grove, great songs, What a Fool Believes, uh, Taking It to the Streets, just a ton of great songs. One song that they recorded in 1974, but that was not one of their hits, was a song called, Tell Me What You Want and I'll Give You What You Need. Tell Me What You Want and I'll Give You What You Need. Now, I'm not sure what the writers of that song had in mind when they used the words, tell me what you want and I'll give you what you need. But for me, it is one of the keys to having a strong love relationship. And basically, uh, what I mean by that is you say to your spouse, honey, tell me what you want and I will give you what you want because what you want, within reason, of course, is exactly what you need. Tell me what you want, and I'll give you what you need. Now, this is the parable of the fireplace sermon series. It's about love relationships. The whole purpose of this series of sermons is to strengthen marriages that will in turn strengthen families, that will in turn strengthen our church. The church is only as strong as the strongest family, and the family is only as strong as the marriage that anchors it. So uh, a couple of truths right off uh, the bat are reminders of some truths we've been talking about. First of all, Uh, The fireplace in the parable of the fireplace represents the relationship that develops between two persons who are in love. When uh, two people first fall in love, it's as if 
each person starts a fire in the heart of the other person. And for a while, uh, not only do we start this fire, but we are, without even thinking about it, throwing logs into the fire. That is, we're, we're constantly and naturally and unconsciously meeting the needs that that person has. We don't know anything about their faults. We don't see any of their failures. All we see are the good parts, and we're throwing logs on that fire. But there will come a time when uh, we, we stop throwing logs on the fire unintentionally, and yet the fire is still burning and the fire still needs logs. And so we will have to start intentionally throwing logs on to the fire. Because in order for the flames to grow strong, logs must be placed on the fire, in the fire. Now there's a statement that I've used in every single one of these sermons, and I will, I will make this statement in every sermon that I preach in this series. And, and it is this, I want you to remember this. No relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. When you have two people who continue to understand each other, they understand their personalities, they understand their love languages that we talked about last week, and they understand uh, each other's basic emotional needs and they're meeting them. As long as the fires are consistently tended, your relationship will not end. So the important thing is we have to throw logs on the fire. We have to keep tending the fire. Tend the fire if you want your relationship to last. Now, one of the ways that we can add logs to the fire, to the love fires, is to know your spouse's top emotional needs and meet those top emotional needs. Meet them consistently. Another singing group that uh, debuted in the 60s were the Righteous Brothers. In 1964, the Righteous Brothers recorded a song entitled, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. 1964. You've Lost That Loving Feeling. It was a song written by a person who uh, is, is, is grieving over the fact that their love has gone awry, that the love that, the, that another person had for them has, has faded almost entirely away, and they're grieving over that. You've lost that loving feeling. And the chorus to that song goes something like this. It says, you've lost that loving feeling. You've lost that loving feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then the last chorus has changed a little bit. The first chorus acknowledges that the other person has lost that loving feeling. And the last chorus is begging for that person to get that loving feeling back. It says, bring back that loving feeling. Whoa, that loving feeling. Bring back that loving feeling because it's gone, gone, gone. And I can't go on. Whoa, 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 whoa. How many of you remember that song? Raise your hand. Yeah, three people. It's incredible. Would you believe that that song was the most played song on radio and television programs in the entire 20th century? You've Lost That Love and Feeling was played more often on radio in America and, and was, was sung more often by artists on television than any other recorded song in the entire 20th century in America. Now that says a couple of things. Number one, people liked the Righteous Brothers, and they did. Number two, they liked the, 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 the tune of the song, which they did. But more than that, there were a lot of people in the United States who could 
empathize with that song. There were a lot of married couples. There were a lot of people in love relationships who, when they heard that song, it struck a chord with them because they'd experienced that, that, uh, that unwelcome visitor that is a faded love. She just doesn't feel the same way about him anymore. He doesn't feel the same way about you. have lost that loving feeling. It was a very, very popular song. I want you to know that in a love relationship, your mate, your spouse, your husband, your wife can lose the feelings of love when that person's top emotional needs are not met. And who is supposed to meet them? You are. The fact that fact is, is the premise of a great book, which I encourage every married couple and about to be married couple to read. It's a book called His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage by Dr. Willard Harley. That book is almost 30 years old, but it is just as relevant today as it was when it first was written. Dr. Harley and his wife are uh, certified family counselors. He has a PhD in marriage and family therapy. They practice in the area of Chicago, Illinois. And Dr. Harley noticed that as he was counseling with couples, especially couples in trouble, and he'd try to help them reconcile their marriage, he, he failed more often than he succeeded. In other words, most of the couples who came to him ended up divorced. And it frustrated him. It would frustrate any counselor. Uh, and he, he talked to some of his colleagues, and he found that they were experiencing the same thing. And so he set about uh, finding out why this was so and how he could change uh, the situation with the couples who came to him so that he could help more of those marriages succeed rather than fail. Uh, I will tell you that one of the reasons why uh, so many counselors have, uh, uh, they, they report failures with people who come to them for counseling is this, by the time most troubled couples come for counseling, it's almost too late. Because people are proud. They don't want to admit they need any help. And so they'll wait until the very last minute, the very last moment, the very last resort to go seek any kind of outside counseling, any outside uh, help. And, and, and if you're in that position, let me just urge you. Listen, it's not a, a sign of weakness for you to realize you need outside help. Get the help you need. There are people who want to help you. Please get the help that you need. So his needs, her needs, building an affair-proof marriage is the premise of Willard Harley's book. And he uses the analogy of a love bank. Now, love bank is kind of like my analogy of the fireplace. And here's here's some principles that that Willard Harley gives in his book that I want to share with you. First of all, everybody has a love bank. Everybody in this building has a love bank. And in your bank... There are accounts in your bank for every person you have ever met and had any length of any relationship at all. Now, if you just meet somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. And you never see them again, then, then probably you don't have an account in your love bank for them. But anybody that you have had any, even a short relationship with, a short acquaintance with, they have an account in your love bank. Everybody, including your spouse, but everybody does. And Willard Harley says that this love bank keeps track of the way each person treats us. All right? Now, the second thing I want you to know is that the goal for this love bank is to build deposits in the other person's love bank. Now, if you are in a love relationship, 
Uh, what this means is that when you started that relationship, in your spouse's love bank, you started an account. And initially, you were making deposits to that account. Your spouse also uh, opened up a, an account in your love bank and started making deposits to that account. And the goal was to keep building deposits in that love bank. In fact, if you're in love with somebody, those feelings of love occur when the deposits in that love bank reach what's called an overflow threshold. You're more than just friends with this person. You are in love with this person. They have built up enough deposits in their account in your love bank that there's more than just a casual friendship. Now, the question is, how do we build up deposits? How do I build up deposits in my wife's, in the account that I have in my wife's love bank? And how does she build deposits in her account in my love bank? Well, here it is. Number three, you build deposits by meeting your spouse's top emotional needs. You got to meet your spouse's needs. That means you got to find out what those needs are. Let me just tell you this. If you're in a love relationship, your spouse has some top emotional needs. Well, how, you say, well, I, I can't do this. I don't know what her needs are. I don't know what his needs are. Let me tell you very quickly. This is not going to be on the slide. Let me tell you very quickly how to find out what they are. You ready for this? Are you ready? Ask them. Honey, what do you need? And then, if your spouse loves you enough to actually have this conversation and ask you what your top needs are, please tell him or tell her. Because they can't know what your needs are if you don't tell them. And if they don't know what your needs are, they can't meet them. So tell them. Please, please, don't do what some folks do. Some folks will come to their spouse and say, honey, what, what, what do you need from me? What is it that you need that only I can provide? I don't know. Oh, that's not important. I don't care about that. Don't, don't, please, please don't say that. Tell them what you need. Tell me what you want and I'll give you what you need because what you tell me you want is what you need. You build deposits by meeting your spouse's top emotional needs. Number four, men's needs and women's needs are different. In fact, everybody is individual to a certain extent, but men's husband's needs and wives' needs are almost totally different. We'll see this in just a moment. I will share with you what Harley found out to be the top five emotional needs of the average wife and the top five emotional needs of the average husband. And what you're going to find is the husband's needs and the wife's needs are totally different. And so, so it is absolutely essential that you ask your spouse what her or his top needs are. Now, if you don't do that, uh, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to meet that person's needs and it will diminish your love relationship. It cannot, it cannot help if you do not share one another's needs. Now, here's what some folks do. Here's the mistake some folks make especially men, because we men don't like having this conversation. It's just, it seems to be unmanly. Actually, there's nothing more manly than having this conversation with your wife, but we think it's unmanly, so we'll never ask them, what do you need? And so here's what we do. We assume that we know what they need, which by the way is impossible because you cannot read a, a woman's mind. That is absolutely impossible. But here's what we do. We say, now I know what my needs are, 
I know exactly what I need from her. And so I will give her exactly what I need. Here's the problem. Your needs are not her needs. And so if you give only, if you try to meet for her only the needs you have, you're going to miss all, if not, or either most, if not all, of her needs. And you're going to become frustrated. You're thinking, man, I've been busting a gut trying to meet this woman's needs, this person's needs, and she just doesn't appreciate it. On the other hand, your spouse is thinking, man, uh, he, he doesn't care anything. She doesn't care anything about my needs because, because he's, not meeting, he's not meeting any of them. And so there'll be frustration on both sides. Men's needs and women's needs are different. Be aware of that. And then number six, become aware of each other's emotional needs and learn to meet them. All right? Number six, needs may change over time. Therefore, it is good to periodically reevaluate each other's needs. As you and I get older... The needs that we had, the top emotional needs we had when we were 24, 25, 26 may be different when we get 54, 55, 56, or 64, 65, and 66. And so it pays periodically for you to sit down with your spouse and say, tell me what you need. I know you told me what you needed back so many years ago, but tell me what you need now so that I can make sure that I am effectively meeting your needs. Now, with all those six principles in mind, Let me give you what Willard Harley found were the top five needs of wives and the top five needs of husbands. Now, uh, before I I, I share those with you, let me preface two things. One, this information was, was gleaned over looking at the notes of over three decades of, of marital counseling. Some of these couples were about to get married. Some of them were newly married. Some of them had been married a long time and their marriage was great. Some of them had been married a while and it was terrible. They were on the verge of, of splitting up. And so Carly and his wife took all of these notes combined with some other surveys of married couples and, and they came to this conclusion. So this draws on decades of information and it draws on couples in love relationships across the board. So this is information that should not be uh, discounted. Having said that, your needs may not be exactly the same as the needs that they found in this survey. You may look at this, you may be a, 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 a lady, and you look at what he says are the top five needs of wives, and you say, well, uh, of those top five, maybe three of those are mine, but the other two are just not mine. That could very well happen because each of us are individual. I will tell you this, though, if you look at those top, if you're a guy, for instance, and you look at the top five needs that Harley says men have, and you say, well, none of those five are mine, I'm just going to tell you right now, you need to go back and rethink it. Because if, if, if you say that none of the needs they say uh, that they found are your needs, you probably are not being totally honest with yourself and with your spouse about what your needs are. So with that in mind, let's go with the wives and we'll start with number five, go to number four, number three, number two, and then we'll, we'll end with number one. All right. So here's what Dr. And Mrs. Harley found was the fifth top, the number five need that uh, women have that they expect their husbands to meet. First off is family commitment. A family commitment is a responsibility on, on the part of the husband to, to uh, help develop the children, teach the children, train the children in values, spend quality time with the kids. And basically, the woman who has this as one of her top 
five needs. Family commitment is saying, look, I want you to be committed to our marriage. I want you to be committed to our children. I want you to be committed to our family. I want it to be a priority for you. And guys, if, if your wife has this as one of her top needs, and I, I, I'll tell you, I've never met a woman who didn't have this as one of her top needs. You need to pay attention to that need for her. She wants you to place a priority on the relationship. If you're in a, a, a blended family, as is the case with so many families in America today, where, where uh, children from previous marriages are brought into a brand new relationship, if that's you, then, the, then your wife is saying to you, not only do I want you to place a priority on our relationship and our kids, but also on the kids that I bring into this relationship because they're mine. I love them. Family commitment. Number four is financial support. Wives reported that, that one, of the, one of the top needs they had was for financial support. They want to know that their husband uh, has a job, cares about his job, and is committed to financially securing their family. And I want you to know this. This was even uh, f- uh, found to be true among women who had careers. Even women who were in career, uh, in, in, in career occupations that were making as much, if not more, than their husbands, they wanted to know that if they decided to stop working outside the home, they could because their husband would keep them financially secure. So family commitments, number five. Financial security is number four. Number three is honesty and openness. What, what this means is that for, for women... They need, uh, they need from their husbands more than just a short answer. They want to know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Now, here's the way men operate. Here's the way we operate. It's not that we intend to be dishonest. In fact, our intention is to be honest. But we, whenever we come home and our wives ask us a question, we want to come up with the, the shortest phrase answer that is both true and gets us out of the conversation as quickly as possible. The problem with that, guys, is that while you're being honest, you're telling her the truth, just not the whole truth, she perceives it as being dishonest. She perceives it as, well, he's keeping secrets from me. And the fact of the matter is, you are. You're not being dishonest, but you're not being totally open with her. She wants to know more. She wants to know all the answer. And so you and I, as husbands, must take the time to be honest and open with our wives. That's number three. Number two is conversation. Our wives, and this is closely related, obviously, to honesty and openness, our wives want to spend time talking with us. And when they talk to us, they want to know that we're so focused on what they're saying that we are attentive and we're listening to what they say. Sometimes Amanda and I will be talking in the living room and the television will be on and I'll be watching something and she'll be trying to talk to me. And at some point in the middle of the conversation, she asks me a test question. And I didn't know there's going to be a test on this thing. She'll ask me a test question. She'll say, Jimmy, Jimmy. And I'll look at her and she says, what did I just say? And I'm really stupid. So I try to guess what she said. That's not a good thing. That's really not a good thing. Conversation means she wants your attention so that she can share with you and you understand and perceive what she's saying. And then she wants you to engage in the conversation as well. 
conversation. Very important to wives. And then, number one, the number one uh, emotional need that the Harleys found that wives had was something called affection. Now, this is a real catch-22 for us guys because, number one, it's very difficult to define affection. And number two, it is such a broad, it's it's an umbrella term that's a catch-all for all kinds of little things. But in a nutshell, what affection means is you do the kind of things that lets her know that you have been thinking about her and that you do think about her. It can be as simple as a hug or a kiss or holding hands. It can be as simple as a card on her birthday and anniversary, especially on her birthday and anniversary. But it can also mean flowers on a day that is not a special day on the calendar whatsoever. Phone calls, a text message out of the blue. She loves it. It's affection. It can be little sticky notes. But let me tell you guys, I want you to hear me on this. We're about to get to our, to to the guy's top five needs. If you want your top need to be met, you better learn to meet your spouse's need for affection. Because if she doesn't get that, brother, you won't get yours. I promise you that. Uh, I I used to have a, uh, a colleague back in seminary. We were students together, and uh, I did most of my seminary work up here in Marietta with the New Orleans, Georgia uh, satellite. But we'd have to go to New Orleans for weeks at a time to get on-campus credit. And there was one three-week period where I had to go down to New Orleans, was in school every single day. And a friend of mine, who was also a pastor from Roswell, went with me down there. And uh, we drove nine and a half hours to get to New Orleans. We get there to the Providence House, which is the dorm room at New Orleans Seminary. And, and it's late at night. I'm beat. All I want to do is get in, put my suitcase away without even putting the clothes away, and get in the bed. But this guy, this guy gets out of the car, and he's like giddy. He's as giddy as if he just got up in the morning and had a tank full of coffee. And he, he, pull, he goes into the dorm, throws his suitcase on the bed, latches it, unlatches it, opens it up, and he starts going through his clothes. I'm thinking, man, you're crazy. What are you doing, man? We need to get to bed. And he, he just didn't even pay any attention to me. He started going through all these clothes, his underwear, his undershirts, his pants, his shirts, his ties, his coats. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, you don't understand. He said, my wife, every time I go somewhere, before, before I leave, she gets into my suitcase and she puts these little sticky notes with one or two line phrases about what she feels about me. And she puts them in the folds of every piece of clothing that I have. And he was like a, a kid on Christmas morning. I mean, he, he, it just, she was showing him affection, which normally is not something that guys really care that much about. And he was so excited over it that I thought, I really thought he was about to go back in the car and drive all the way back to Roswell, Georgia. Affection. That usually is something that wives want and that wives need. That's her number one need, guys. All right, now the, the, the top five needs for guys. Number five, first of all, is admiration. Admiration. Let me tell you, ladies, we, we live in a world where guys, and I'm not whining, I'm not trying to complain, I'm just saying guys really get the brunt of a lot of, of unfair criticism these days. I mean, there's a lot of attack on, 
uh, on fathers and on men today. Some of it's deserved, some of it is not, but there's a lot of attack. And so uh, what, what men do need, most men, is they need to be admired. They want to be appreciated for what they do. And let me tell you, there is nobody who should be first to appreciate what your husband does than you ladies. You need to be first in line to do that. He needs to know under no uncertain terms that you appreciate what he does, you know what he does, and you believe that nobody does it as well as he does, and you tell him that. Admiration, very important. That's number five. Number four, domestic support. Domestic support. Now, as soon as I say that, somebody's going to say, oh yeah, he, uh, husbands want her to be all the cooking and do all the cleaning and all the dishwashing and all the laundry and all the upkeep. That's what he's talking about. That is part of it. But I will tell you more than that, domestic support means keeping peace and order in the home. And I'm just going to tell you this. You already know this. You guys know it, I know. But ladies, if you don't know this, you need to know this. If, if you're a mom... You, more than anybody else, controls whether there's chaos or there's calm in your house. You're the one. Except where there's a case of, abusive, of an abusive husband, which is a totally other type situation that, that should never, ever be condoned. Other than that, mom, you're the one who keeps the peace and quiet in the home. And guys need you to do that. They can't do it the way you do it. So number five is admiration. Number four is domestic support. Number three is an attractive spouse. Now, I know you're thinking, these aren't, these aren't needs, they're wants. Hear me, watch this, hear me. These top five needs of husbands and wives, listen to me. Whatever it is within reason that she wants or he wants is a need. Tell me what you want and I'll give you what you need because what you want is what you need. And guys like attract an attractive wife. Now, what is attractive to one guy is not attractive to another. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But listen, whatever you did initially to attract, to make yourself attractive to him, and whatever you, you uh, continue to do at the beginning of your relationship, do it now. Do it even now. That doesn't mean that, that he expects you to look exactly now at age 50 or 51 or 61, what the way you did when you were 18. We know that's not going to happen, but look the best you can because men are visually attracted, whereas women, for the most part, are emotionally attracted. And that doesn't mean, of course, that women don't like good looking guys. They do. But on the whole, they're more emotionally, relationally uh, attra- uh, attracted to men than, uh, than men are to women. They are more uh, physical attracted, physically attracted. So attractive spouse, number three. Number four, number two is recreational companionship. Recreational companionship. There are things that guys like to do that they don't want their wives going along with them. But there are a lot of things that they do that they would like for you to go along with them. In fact, it would just, they'd thrive on the fact that you'd do it with them. Uh, Last night, I went with, with my wife to a concert in Alpharetta at the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. It took us about an hour and 20 minutes in traffic to get up there. It was a Keith Urban concert. Now, I don't care anything about Keith Urban. I don't know any, well, there are two songs I know, uh, and, and I don't know the worst. One of them is, You Look Good in My Shirt. I like that song pretty good. The other one is, and perhaps this is a, a song that just relates, Stupid Boy. There's a song called Stupid Boy, and maybe I can relate to that. I, I wouldn't go to Keith Urban a concert on my own, although I like the guy okay, 
my wife adores Keith Urban. I mean, I'm not kidding you. There's like Jesus, Jimmy, Keith Urban right there. Okay, so she loves Keith Urban. This is the fourth Keith Urban concert that we've been to. And I only go because of her. She loves it. I know she loves it. I buy the tickets for her $100 a pop. And I go. She does things with me because recreational companionship is one of the top needs of men. All right, need number one. I got to hurry here. The top need of men is sexual fulfillment. Some of you ladies are thinking, duh, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Now, guys, let me just say this. Let me just say this. You remember her top five needs? Sexual fulfillment is not in her top five. That doesn't mean that ladies don't like sexual intimacy. They do. But it's not one of, normally it's not one of their top five needs. But ladies, hear this. It's going to be his, number one, number two, or number three, unless he's, he's uh, so old that physically it doesn't need to be one of his needs anymore. But outside of that, it's going to be one of his top needs. And so listen, guys, if you want your top need to be met, you got to remember her top need, affection or whatever it is. Ladies, if you care anything about your needs being met, then care about what his needs are as well. Charles Shedden in his book, Letters to Karen, said this. He says, marriage is not so much finding the right person as it is being the right person. Here's the message in a sentence. In order to add logs to the love fires... Couples must identify their basic emotional needs and consistently meet those needs. Find out what your spouse's needs are and meet them. If, if, if he has five top needs and you're only meeting three of those, you're cracking the door open on two of them for somebody else to meet those needs. Don't do it. Meet those needs. Find out what they are and meet them. Let me leave you with three questions. What are your top needs? that must be met by your spouse? What are your top needs that need to be met by your spouse? Number two, what are your spouse's top needs? And number three, as a result of understanding your spouse's needs, what do you resolve to do? Folks, of all the sermons I'm going to preach in this series, and there are two more left, this one to me is the most important one. Find out what your spouse's needs are and meet consistently every single one. And you will never be guilty of leaving the fires untended. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for caring so much about our families and about our marriages, about our relationships. Thank you for giving us companions to share our lives with. Thank you for love and intimacy and companionship. But Lord, help us to have stronger homes. In Jesus' name, amen.